I would spiral out of control because I would see people thinking that they're, you know, Rick flaring is the best way of saying it, you know, high rolling and, and, and spending money and all that stuff. And I didn't realize what was structurally the foundation behind the scenes. So I would want that lifestyle. Um, obviously there's a lot of resentment to my dad back in the day. Um, I didn't address that stuff until I got sober and, um, you know, there, there, there's some deep, and I'm going to ask you this because you, you went through this routine too, but like it, when you're cleaning up like the first year and a half, you're mad at everyone. Yeah. And it, it's not nothing personal or anything guys that helped me along the way. I was mad at you because I saw my patterns, my old self trying to heal from it. And, and then all of a sudden you start learning, okay, Hey, I overcame that. And like, not not to keep repeating pattern here, but there's such a war in my head when it comes to that stuff, just because I know I can overcome things now because I'm clean, but also it's a fine line because you at times your temptations come back a little bit and you'll be like, okay, you know, I, I'm a single guy right now, but in the Midwest, if you want to date someone, you have to go out to get something to eat. You have to go physically to the bar. As much as you don't want to avoid it, you physically have to go out because not your choice you're clean you still have to make friends with people and all that stuff and, and that's a social environment here um but for me it's it's there's such learning tools and there's also a fine line where you could be like okay hey back in the day i could drink and get a girl at the bar you know it's just yeah. repeated patterns and stuff so To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes, we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we are speaking with Chad M. Smith. He is the CEO of Battle Warrior Brands. Chad, could you please introduce yourself? Let people know just a little bit about you, please. Hey, guys. I am Chad. I am actually the owner of Battle Warrior Brands. I am also the co not say co-host. I am the host. I'm so used to this co-host, co-host stuff, whatever. I am the host of Battle Warrior Podcast, um, which is hitting 100 plus episodes throughout the world. Um, not going to get too nutty on the, on the stats, all that stuff. I'm not a stat guy, dude. I just, all I know is I've been doing it for two years. I hit a hundred episodes. I love what I do. Um, I'm also, like I said, battle warrior brands, apparel owner. Um, we, we create apparel based on perseverance, which actually kind of talks about, you know, circling into this podcast, the theme of this podcast here. So, um, it's all about, you know, discovering yourself through the processes, through trauma, through overcoming stuff. And, and, and finally loving and figuring out exactly what you love to do and a basic way of saying it. 
And when you find the passion, it just flows. And, and it's like eating milk and honey. You know, it's pleasing that way. So looking into you, Chad, we come from a similar background. I, I got addicted to alcohol and drugs starting at nine years old that first chug of that sweet wine and the drug was kind of forced on me i i was just in that lifestyle i was born into it that's a hard way to grow up you learn <laughs> bad skills not a lot of morals were involved in my upbringing and we were kind of like wild child children with no real adult supervision. So I understand what alcohol and alcoholism does. I've watched several people die, a couple stepfathers, my own father. It's a bad road to go down. Tell me about how did you get started and what was the catalyst of that need to <clears throat> indulge yourself well let, let's yes it's it's kind of a two-part question and I'm, I'm gonna break it down this way so like how i got started here i i grew up in i'm in and we are just by how we're talking it sounds like we're in the midwest or, or in the united states somewhere so in in the upper midwest guys in the united states you have you know your minnesota's your Illinois, your Wisconsin, your Michigan's, you know, your traditional Midwestern states. And, and here's a very traditional Catholic base. And I'm not going to poke names on anything or I'm not going to sit here and put throw labels around it, whatever it is. But it's a very traditional blue collar, do these routines type living, which means like in a traditional Catholic world, um, when it's Lent season, you go out to eat on a Friday night for Friday night fish. Well, traditionally throughout the years that Lent season turned into a year round season as much as people don't want to admit it, it turned into year round season. So there's a huge pattern of going out for Friday night fish, you know, going out for Thursday, Thursday, happy hours, uh, the traditional social life in the upper Midwest. And, and we're not going to sit here and pull cans of it. Um, and I, I don't want to joke here, but like I am, I'm a born again Christian and, you know, I'm, I'm a hybrid is the best way of saying it. So like, I, I grew up in a non-Christian, well, Christer family is what we call it. So like Christmas and Easter, they go twice a year, whatever it is. But after that, you know, they live their lifestyle. They, they, you know, figure their routines, whatever it is. So like, for me, I'm not the full born into that system. I'm more of like, okay, you know, this is the belief, this is structure, this is what I believe in, this is what I love. You know, I love learning more about that, but I still have an half, and it's going to sound, so all you, you know, Bible crazy people, guys, I do read it, but like, I'm not fully page by page, but I'm also not fully that lifestyle. So like, I can go back to normal, not at, not the um, actions of normal, but like, I could flip that switch and just go talk to a normal person without going to full religion. And it, it's a happy balance yeah. is the best way of saying it. Um, I still cuss. I still swear. I still love my rock and roll. I still love a lot of lifestyle, but um, yeah, growing up, man, it was a lot of, you know, growing up Friday night fishes at an early age. So like, you know, up here, there's nothing. 
I don't want to put throw a negative light up that, but like when you when you have a family that that goes out for fish Friday night, you know, or tr- the traditional routine based family, you're in bars, um, sports clubs, or whatever it is at a, at a very early age, whether it's you know Wednesday night bowling, Thursday night bowling, softball, um, Friday night fish, Packer games, Brewer games, whatever it is, like any sort of entertainment, uh, you you get thrown in that environment. Well, the cool thing about that cool thing is you're out in public, you get to learn all the stuff. That's the bad thing about it too. Um, so for me growing up at a very young age, I, I think my first official drop of alcohol that was given to me was, I think my mom said two years old and I'm not throwing her on the bus. It just back. I'm 37, uh, 36, 37 in March. So like growing up in the late eighties, a little bit different growing up now. Um, there's still lead in the paint and all that fun stuff before they went too crazy. But in general, though, <laughs> the routine of having your kid a wine cooler or vice versa growing up in the bar. So you're used to that routine. You're used to that muscle memory. You're used to going out saying, okay, hey, I'm going to have old fashioned. I'm going to have a whiskey sour and I'm not going to sit here and go through my head exactly of everything. Um, but like if you're in the bar atmosphere, it's you want to join, you want to be collective, you want to be part of a group. It's like a community thing, you know, like now it's a big thing with business community. Back, you know, when you're a drinker, you want to be part of that community because it's the, um, you know, happy times or hey or whatever, you know, you have Earl at the end of the bar talking about good times, whatever situation is. So for me, growing up in that environment, it was just a natural thing to do. Um, it's It was a natural thing to say, okay, hey, at, you know, nine years old, you know, I was seeing Playboys. I was seeing, you know, the SNL movies, um, Stripes, Caddyshack, all that fun late 70s SNL. Great movies, by the way, but in general, that stuff. Um, so I was seeing nudity at an early age because I had a father that loved that stuff. And, you know, yes, my parents did get divorced when I was a very young age. And that was part of the reason why, you know, I turned into that. Um, so a lot of, I don't want to say like growing up fast at a young age, but I, it seemed like what to me is a normal life was not normal to like a normal life. And it's, it's, let me emphasis on that. But like, I I was the youngest of the family. So I grew up with people four years older than me, five years older than me to where we're watching, you know, like the beefs and buttheads, you know, the neighbor had a bar in the basement. It just stuff that seemed cool. It was just, I was at that age where I could just blend in and be still part of that group without doing that so yeah you know that cool vibe that good vibe um i still yes i i form bad habits i found out you know i could handle whiskey just like every other one under the age of 18 yeah you can arrest me if you want but um from 13 to 18 i was drinking on the weekends we were going up to the camp or whatever situation is having a lot of alcohol and to me, it was like nothing. And and what ended up happening is in that late teens range is there's a couple of different layers here. My late teens years, what was happening is my child support was starting to end out, you know, slowly end out. So like my dad was drifting. Um, to me, my sister and I say our dad left us at a very early age, even though technically he physically didn't, mentally he did. So like mentally, he did not want us physically. He had to take us. Um, So we were in that split family. You know, obviously he was fighting with my mom for child support. But when I hit 18, it was pretty much like that. You're done. 
I don't want you. I don't need to pay for you. Kind of do your own thing. And I was kind of cut loose and, and went on the road. Um, at that same time, I loved, uh, I, I developed in my high school years, I was still playing sports and all that stuff, but my passion was tournament fishing. So like I, I was growing up, I saw TNN, you know, growing up at an early age. So TNN outdoors, which was all like the bass masters, the, the bass fishing, the tournament angling. And, and I loved that industry so much that I ended up being part of it for 10 years and, you know, 17 years old hitting the Midwest traveling, staying at cheap hotels with people 10 years, 12 years, 15 years yeah. older than me, um, you know, 17 years old doing championships, 18 years old and qualify going on my own, um, with partners obviously, but you bypass the need parent parental consent. So here I'm traveling the Midwest. Um, I think national, I finally hit national at like 20, 21 years old, whatever it was. So I was doing fishing shows. I was hitting the road. I was seeing guys cheat on their wives. I figured out what road life was, which is you fish all day. You go to McDonald's, you go to bed, you prep, you do it the next morning. You grind, you drive all night. You wake up the next morning at the boat launch, like the traditional road life of a tournament angler, um, deer hunter, whatever the, you know, that lifestyle at that time. So I was running fast. So my senior high school, I graduated high school uh, in that first 30 days. I was at my physical bed twice in 30 days, just from road life traveling and all that stuff. And um, so when it, when it comes to that stuff, you're building, you're building, you're building, you're building. And all of a sudden, what you don't happen is you get attracted to the wrong group of people and the floor gets dropped. And to me, it seemed like I was going and going and going. I made the, you know, championships. Why am I not making the money? Because that's where all the chick. Okay, I'm 18 years old, man. Back then, you think girls, you, you need to win. You get the girls, you get the money, you get every, yeah. That's and right. so for me, I looked at that as like, I wanted that sexy rock star lifestyle. Pulling the towns, enjoyed it. And, and what ended up happening is I, uh, I started college at 2006 went through a tech, tech school, got my two-year degree in, in, in the farming industry, but the, the fishing industry was still going. I was on path to be a teacher so I can have the summer off to still keep tournament fishing. And just like many people that were in the college at that time, the economy crashed. And, you know, it's ended up being you know, what was a 20% off below retail costs ended up being 20% off price. So like a lot of these programs and discounts started getting lost and ripped away. So for me, there was a lot of promises that were occurring. A lot of people that were promising free stuff or, or, you know, do this and you get this percentage off and to tie that into a very addicting lifestyle with a, a bad foundation to begin with, with the pornography, the alcohol and all that stuff. When that floor was dropped, um, I was in college. So I was just getting frustrated because I've, I'm like, the time I'm putting in is not getting me the stuff I wanted back. Mind you, okay, 20 years old, I did not know marketing. I did not know imaging. Yeah, I thought I knew stuff about, you know, um, basic yeah. marketing, all that fun stuff. And, and to me, it was the reality of life smacking me in the face for the first, you know, first couple of times. And um, yeah, so go to a tournament, max out a credit card, go to a tournament, max out a credit card, um, go do college. Hey, I need more money for a tournament. So max out a student loan to get more money to go enjoy that high of stuff yeah. and ended up being, you know, graduated college. And, and I, I called it premature 
exiting. Um, I was a month or two away from the bank stealing everything. Um, I had to sell the bulk of everything. And I was 20, 21, 22 years old. Um, I would literally take my student loan payments, go to the bank, get a brand new boat, make the student loan payments, my student loan money for the boat payments for the full, you know, six months, whatever it was, sell the boat for a loss because back then you didn't really realize what the appreciation was of a boat um roll stuff into this i think there's seven guitars i could go down a list of all stupid dumb shit i'm sorry <laughs> you know i don't know if you're gonna no. pause that or not but of stuff i did in nope. college um on top of that you're meeting the hockey you know I, i'm an active boy in college so obviously yes hockey team you know marijuana all that fun stuff um a guy in college that's very wound up on adrenaline is going to chase some other things too um yeah. and and i chased a lot of that and um ended up being meeting my first wife at the time <laughs> so guys i'm gonna give you a little tip when you graduate college if you think you're in a party in college you want to continue your party after college and i did not <laughs> learn that i needed to learn skills and trades and all that fun stuff and um rolled into my 20s got married and it was never consistent in my 20s. So like I was still drinking. I didn't drink as hard in college because I knew I had some sort of issue. Um, peak in my college, I was drinking, I think it was like 18 bottles of whiskey in 13, 14 weeks. I think there's a week I had five bottles in a week. And in college, it's an ego thing. Now it's like, what the heck did I do? Why did I not die? Um, but mixing Adderall, mixing um, painkillers on top of that stuff, and I got my wisdom teeth. I do not remember two years of college just from all the stuff I mixed yeah. in my life. Um, yeah. But rolling into the marriage, you, you want to keep continuing to live at that fast pace. You, you want to kind of roll into that party in style. And ended up yeah. being, I was the only one on a full stream of income for a while because she was still trying to continue school. So you throw all kinds of student loan debt on that, on top of credit card debt on uh, reality. We'll say it that way, like a heavy dose of reality. And ended up being, um, we rolled into getting married and during the process of getting, you know, getting ready for a wedding, I ended up um, trying to get rich quick, which usually never ends well. Um, I ended up <laughs> dropping three grand of our wedding fund into, uh, we call it a call option for uh, commodity trailers, uh, commodity trailers, but you buy a price for a certain commodity. And it never did that. And I ended up losing like $1,500 because I didn't understand that um, structure stuff. So like, there's always a chance like me trying something, but learning the hard way. Hey, don't go do that. Don't go do that. Um, and what ended up happening is uh, we got married and my wife at the time wanted to have a child. And, and to me, my goal was always to get a farm because for some odd reason, when I was little, I had so many people in my ear saying I couldn't do it. And obviously, I still want to buy one to this day. Life's giving me a little curveballs and directions and stuff. But in general, back then, I was so hell bent on proving people wrong. That didn't matter what like my wife would say at the time. Hey, I want to go do this. Nope, that's not going to be towards our farm. I was so laser focused on getting farm because I wanted to prove everyone wrong in the line up until that moment. And and to me, like to me proving people wrong, and I'm gonna use an analogy here. People will be like, you need to be grateful with it. 
Yes, I did. The mindset I was in then was I'm going to take a machine gun and just, you know, <laughs> blow everyone that, that said I couldn't do it. Um, and the, and the good Lord ripped that away from me. And, and the thing that, you know, he learned is, to, you know, I got married, we started trying, she went on three different cloma treatments, which is a fertility drug to get pregnant. Um, at that time, my pornography addiction overtook because I didn't want to have kids at that moment. So I would, we'll just leave the details out of this. While the week would come up, I would, we would do our little thing, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and ended up being is, um, that would not make me fertile for that situation. So for three and a half years, we'd fight, um, trying to get pregnant and all that stuff. And, and what ended up happening, she got so frustrated. She actually, um, what I didn't catch at the time was she was actually becoming very good friends with someone that she was working with. And there was a point where she actually cheated and got pregnant by that person now, which is her husband, which they're married. Congratulations, whatever it is. But, um, that's part of me out of control. There was so much fear and anxiety and stuff involved with that. I lost so much weight in my life. And when it comes to that stuff, my brain at the time, and I could still go into that mindset to figure out exactly what it was. So my brain is, I'm under so much stress. I'm eating food. Sometimes I can't keep it down. Sometimes I can. I can't gain the weight. So to me, back in the day was in college when I was overweight by 50 plus pounds, it was beer pizza, uh, you know, hard alcohol, whatever, the, the junk food to gain weight. So I slipped back into that routine because it was something I knew to obviously hide my pain and um, hide the trauma from that. But then also, I didn't know I would actually get addicted back to the alcohol and, and ended up um, first trying to continuously drink on beer and ended up backing away from that. And then I went back to hard liquor again. And just like many drugs, you want more, 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 more. And my personality is addicting personality. And, you know, what ended up turning to at my peak was um, you know, three eighths to a half bottle of vodka at night on top of going out. And yeah, it's, luckily I didn't um, get a DUI and all that stuff. But there's there's many, many, many layers to this. Uh, the, the thing that... Um, there's not many say, Hey, this is the main reason there's many reasons to it. Um, first and foremost, guys, it's, there's a muscle memory when it evolves in that when it's a, a pattern you learn your whole life, there's muscle memory. So even though now I'm good, cause I'm three years clean, but you know, now I can have an NA beer, sip it down, but I still catch myself because, um, you know, with, without you even knowing there'd be two gone and you're like, what the heck just happened? That's your muscle yeah. memory trying to want that stuff again. Um, secondly, there was so much wrapped up um, identity crisis in me failing. There was so much of me um, pissed off at my dad leaving at an early age. And there's so much fear growing up that, you know, where, where I would look at uh, a kid, you know, good family friend of mine back in the day, but like, you know, he would get so much given to him not saying in a bad way, but like he worked his ass off to get to it. But, you know, he graduated college. He got 2000 acres for free, which was like $2 million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like stuff like that, where growing up in a blue collar family. And then you see that my brain's like, what that would like, really, really? 
obviously I didn't know the foundation of bit generation and, and all that stuff, like the foundation of built from that. But I would spiral out of control because I would see people thinking that they're, you know, Rick Flair is the best way of saying it, you know, high rolling and, and, and spending money and all that stuff. And I didn't realize what was structurally the foundation behind the scenes. So I would want that lifestyle. Um, obviously, there's a lot of resentment to my dad back in the day. Um, I didn't address that stuff until I got sober. And, um, you know, there, there there's some deep. And I'm going to ask you this because you, you went through this routine, too. But like it, when you're cleaning up like the first year and a half. You're mad at everyone. And it's not nothing personal or anything, guys, that helped me along the way. I was mad at you because I saw my patterns, my old self trying to heal from it. And and then all of a sudden you start learning, okay, hey, I overcame that. And like, not not to keep repeating pattern here, but there's such a war in my head when it comes to that stuff, just because I know I can overcome things now because I'm clean, but also it's a fine line because you, at times your temptations come back a little bit and you'd be like, okay, you know, I, I'm a single guy right now, but in the Midwest, if you want to date someone, you have to go out to get something to eat. You have to go physically to the bar right. as much as you don't want to avoid it. You physically have to go out because it's not your choice. You're clean. You still have to make friends with people and all that stuff. And, and that's a social environment here. Um, but for me, it's, it's, there's such learning tools and there's also a fine line where you could be like okay hey back in the day i could drink and get a girl at the bar you know it's just yeah. repeated patterns and stuff so um yeah no so i sobered up i found out i love um i have an addicting personality which means you know i i love stuff that i needed challenging um i need That's a right. big challenge each year uh obviously for the first year you know going through it but i ended up falling in love with podcasting. So I, I, I sobered up three, four months before lockdown, which was a perfect time. So like any perfect storm that occurred, I had the perfect storm and I understand it's a gift now from, you know, Lord above, whatever. But like I cleaned up three, four months later, I'm like, how am I going to roll in the summer? Because concerts were going, I'm like, how am I going to do this sober? Well, um, I am BS and how it is, but come March lockdown occurred, no concerts. And, and ended up moving to Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is a lot of entertainment, a lot of Packers, all that stuff. And I moved during lockdown. And Green Bay didn't open up for another like six, seven months after that. So like if you look at this, the runs of my life, almost the first year me getting sober, actually technically almost for the first full year was complete lockdown. So I'm like, okay, this is a perfect storm in a good way. And, and I looked at it, I'm like, okay, here's my clean slate. I just got through a divorce. I just, you know, over, I'm, I'm learning to become sober by myself. I, I started with a clean plate. I'm like, what can I do? How can I get back and all that stuff? And, and I started with the battle warrior podcast at the time it was called seats get degrees. And it brought to lighten of a kid that struggled in college and still graduated. Um, and, and when you're in this podcasting industry, you start just, getting in these circles and communities and people that want to help you out, uh, people that are entrepreneurs, people that, you know, know SEO. We can just go along with the millions and millions of traits that people have that they can help you with. 
And I just got into these, these masterminds communities, mastermind circles, the best way of saying it. And, uh, not, not to say my life, you know, Oh my God, my life got better. Um, the tools and techniques and stuff you learn from these groups. My life did obviously get better. I became an author. I became, you know, my own uh, apparel company. You have to go through these struggles and you have to realize that you overcome them. So like debt wise and stuff, I took a lot of risks this last year and a half and I'll be brutally blunt with people. I, I can give a girl a heart attack on, on the risk that I took. You know, I'm very happy I'm single right now because I know what the risk I took. Um, so when it when it comes to that stuff, I, I just look at this life as like a peak and valley and up and down and and, but it's not like all the way down back to where you were. It's like a gradual up the mountain type of climb, and and at times, there's great things when I learned about this addictive personality is when we're looking into something we're all into something so you learn like yeah. and i'm gonna That's use right. like the apparel brand so like me you know like the etsy's the amazon's whatever like you know where are people getting this from how is it doing what's the processes of it you know can i automate it and all that stuff and i just found out that i learned so much more in depth i didn't know that i had these layers of of obviously physically i'm I'm ADHD and I don't want to label it or whatever. I'm just very hyperactive mentality. So I'm a very fast thinker. Physically, no, YouTube is my best way of, YouTube and hands-on are my best way of learning. And so me, I will release products. Okay, they fail. Okay, back up. Why did they fail? Well, I wasn't passionate about it. All right, cool. Let's find something with my passion in it. And there's such a learning cue that when it comes to this stuff, I, I just look down and I'm like, so day to day, and it's going to sound real funny how I word this, but people from the outside, like ourselves, um, people that don't see what we do every day, they'd be like, Oh my God, you accomplished this. But to us, it's like, Oh, we did. <laughs> because we're so involved in this little world that we have. We're so tunnel vision that, um, you know, becoming an author is, is a, it was a great thing to do. And it changed my life. But on the other side of it is there's so many more layers. I could be like, Oh, that's great. But now I have to build the website. Now I have to build this. And, and to me, I get so absorbed in the layers that um, it's going to sound really weird to say it this way, but like, I appreciate things for a moment. And then after that, I'm like, all right, let's get back to work just from my, my, my uh, history of working hard. Yeah, well, really, you have to live your life like that. And there's so much to unpack there. But learning to love yourself and understand the power comes from knowing that. And you don't have to accept what other people think of you because they're always going to think with their self in mind. And that's that's something we rarely think about when people want to help. There's always a reason they want to help, even if it's the simple fact, I want to help you because it's going to make me feel better knowing that I help somebody. That's kind of a disease in itself, you know, an addiction. So living that addictive lifestyle, that is really understanding how to deal with yourself better 
and control that addictive nature. I, I understand that well because uh, I've been there, and it's it's so much that people get lost and they never recover because they don't have the heart to forgive themselves for some of the bad things that they've done in their life. And that's a trap in itself. Did that happen with you at all? Um, I, I did relapse like the first 30 days into it, but it was more of a test to say, okay, hey, you know, I don't want this. And, and I felt bad at the time when I did it. Um, now it's more of like a self-talk, the best way of saying it. So um, I will get in the moments where I'll get in a little rut. And and when and what happens is um, it's going to sound a little dark how I word this, but it's just how I experience all my growth at the same time. So at times when the most growth occurs for me is when I'm by myself. It's like that. And to me, like by myself, there's a group yeah. of people that are helping me, but I have to absorb and understand the knowledge and test and, and how to understand it by myself. Um I've learned that when I get very stressed out, very burnt out, very um, completely just fried, I become very isolated. Um, and it's not, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to you and not that is it's, I just learned that I enjoy my, my soloness at times, just because I know this journey has been yeah. by myself that a lot of times I, I, I love what I do, but it's, it's a fine line because when I'm alone, also, you can get these temptations that people can't catch you on. Um, I have some friends yeah. now that will say, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. How are you doing? And certain things like that will snap snap me out of that routine. Um, it, it's more of just, it, it's a, the more you understand, like, okay, I'm all in on something. So now let's turn the spotlight and go back and be like, okay, yes, I'm all, you know, I'm all in on this, but how about I become all in on myself? And why am I going into this? And I ended up playing a little tricks on myself a few times because when did I start meditating? Lately, it's been kind of tough just because I've been absolutely insane with my schedule. But I started meditating almost two months ago. And I don't know the time and the date, whatever it was, but there there was something where it was like I was having flashbacks of me kind of in my first marriage just the everyday lifestyle of coming home and, but you know, wife, obviously there's some fun involved. It's just the, the patterns and stuff that occurred. And, and, and traditionally I'd be like, okay, I need to tuck those back in. And for, I, I did something like very fond of myself. I'm like, okay, what happens if I lean into this? And, and those, those thoughts and patterns came up when I was meditating it. And I'm like, okay, why is this occurring? And I just kind of let the scene play out. I'm like, huh. And I yes. thought, and I thought, I'm like, okay, what's next? And I would just go through and ended up being as when I asked what's next, I ended up started to unravel the whole scene. Instead of saying, okay, flashback, boom, I don't want to think about it. Now you shut it off. I ended up rolling out the whole thing. I'm like, why did that occur? Well, because I was lonely. Um, I craved the need at the time for a relationship and, and any girl at the moment of the situation. And if you look at my, my, okay, yes, all my first marriage was, yeah, it ended rough. There's a lot of rough times, a lot of dark times, but there's a lot of good times too, just like everything you learn to grow with someone you love. 
And, and I think what it was, was just like my body saying, okay, you know, this is what you're craving. This is what you need. This is what you want. And then it just ended. And it, it sounded really weird, but it was almost like my body's like, okay, dude, that was the past. Now it's time to move on. And it, it's, it sounds really weird to say it that way, but you become so self-aware, you know, whether it's God tell me that or the spirit or universe, whatever it is, it's almost like you just take that file and just delete it and, and be yeah. like, okay, that was cool. And it was like such a calmness that I learned after that, that I don't know. I, I play tricks on myself sometimes when people are like, Oh, don't go do that. And all of a sudden I'm like, okay, what's, what's in this. And, uh, it sounds really weird, but like the favorite thing for me to do now is have a, and I'm not a full-time cigar smoker every day type of person, but like a Saturday night or Sunday night is actually my favorite time to go down by the river, sit on a bench and just shut everything off and have a cigar and just let nature kind of unwind. And, and let it, you know, have my, have my one-on-one with God is the best way of saying it. Um, I've learned so much in that and it sounds so weird to say it that way, but like that running the, the just calmness of my brain of just kind of unwinding and healing and all that stuff. It's been insane, man, but like, we're so brilliant and we process and I don't know, at least on myself, I process things so fast that at times I would get in trouble when I would calm down. And now I'm like, there's such a learning period when that stillness comes. Yeah. Well, you know, identifying those uh, trigger points that, that can help us for sure, uh, because it, it's odd, even a smell or a tone, it, it, it makes our subconscious mind trigger and, then we are back into our old self. One thing that I found that helped me kick habits was making it a challenge for myself. You can't do that. You're hooked. You'll never be able to do that. And then I said, well, why do I have to listen to that? No, I'm going to actually challenge myself and make this a game and it helped me creep my way out of those addiction phases the big one was cocaine for me and it it took my wife saying hey it's the stuff or it's me and thank god i chose my wife over that cocaine because the the power that some of those drugs have on you because they make you feel great you know no lie it's it's one of those releases where i i could forget about everything else in my life and worry about nothing but feeling good and we all crave that feeling good about where we are even if it's accessible so being high and unforgiving is kind of second nature it's hard to climb out of that so making it a challenge for yourself and i know for me if i challenge myself i'm I'm gonna get to the end of that challenge somehow it might not 
be how I see it right at the time, but I generally do well with challenging myself because nobody else will. When I reached out for addiction counseling help, they asked me for $4,000. <laughs> well, a bag is cheaper, man. See ya. And, and my problems were gone. So I thought for a while. Turning that all around, it, it takes time. And, you know, relapsing, I, I relapsed several times. And still to this day, I find myself, wow, you know, I, I sure could use a hit or a cigarette or a shot. And I understand that's always going to be there for me because I have that addictive mentality, even podcasting. I'm addicted. You know, it's my drug now. And the, the thousands of dollars you throw at it, <laughs> it's just senseless. But, you know, we, we grow and we change. But that addictiveness, it won't leave us. So we've always got to be aware of it. I was going to say that that's what I learned at the beginning when I started this process. Like I'm going to be addicted to something. I wanted to at least be addicted to something good. And yes, this can be overwhelming at times, just like everything. Um, yeah. But when you look at this as your only option to make it, my mind's like, dude, I'm all in. Like I, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. So at times it was a bandaid to obviously, you know, take care of my ur not urges, but like overlap and put the bandaid on top of the urges. Um, now it just there's so much good. Like you, you climb and you hit certain plateaus and you keep climbing. You start finding yourself in these groups that are people love each other. And I'm gonna be really honest how I word it: people are just as messed up as you, but they made That's it, right. and That's um, right. they will be like, or "Hey, making dude. it." Yes. Yep. Uh, you know. <laughs> And for me, I feel so much more um, happier in general, um, being in a group of, I, I joke around, but like, you know, misfits and people that scrapes and burns and it, it's, I don't want to say the running joke of the island of misfits like it is on the reindeer movie <laughs> or uh, Rudolph, but um, that there's so much, yeah. um, so much not say reflection of that, but there's so much analogies of that of all of us yeah. climbing that ladder. That's healing power. Absolutely. And when it's collective, yeah, there's a lot more bargaining with it. So yeah, finding those misfits and those that you can connect with it, it really does matter a lot because we all feel that way. That's the premise of Dead America being lost confused somehow left out feeling dead in america we don't need that we we need to uplift people and you know the thing i like to say is i'm at this level i'm looking down the lab ladder and i'm gonna pull people up to this level i hope they exceed and excel past me and remember to look down the ladder and pull me back up on their way up and we get higher and higher as we remember to look back and remember the people below us it's a good strength to have 
do you have any uh closing thoughts well there's gonna be one thing i'm gonna say as a clothing thought is it's guys if you go into these masterminds or you go into these groups and you see speaker on stage and obviously all of us are qualified to speak that's just how we are with our histories and stuff the one thing that someone that completely uh changed my life said it this way is we're all you know even though we're on stage we're all the same as you in the crowd except we put in the years we put in the miles we put in the grit we put in the the beatings the the life smacking whatever it is um you can be on that stage with you know that that person you know if if you're a five-year vet in in the crowd and they're a 20-year vet up on stage there's not much different except time so you know believe in yourself understand that if you want to be on stage go be on stage like it's just there's be the same person on stage you are off the stage and and that's if right. you know that's the way i tell people straight out when i meet them in public if i'm at bell's events i'll shake hands and i'll be like okay hey guys i'm i'm as blue collar as you're gonna get and i will sit there <laughs> and chat with you in the crowd and and when that light you know switches there's gonna be no arrogance it'll be nothing it's like okay it's, hey i'm chad with the black t-shirt black hat up on stage all right cool i mean that's that's just the mentality i have that stuff so that's that's awesome and that's that's the way to live life you know it gives you a sense of freedom to be yourself because you don't have to remember tomorrow who you were yesterday and and that's a good way to be absolutely go ahead go ahead no, I was going to say, go ahead. It's, it's, we're playing the okay. go ahead thing here, guys. We're both podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That's, that's the good thing because, you know, listening to other people is the key and podcasting. That's the gift it's given me. You know, it's, it's made me realize so much of my own error. And when we can do that, we're changing the world. And you're on that ticket too. And I'm so glad that I was able to connect with you. Thank you for being part of the Dead America podcast today. Absolutely, man. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, you're amazing. And and guys, I'm, I'm going to add this to it because I know we're probably going to all edit at the end of the show. But uh, one of my guests brought it up and I'm glad he's going to poke it. He's like, dude, do it on every show. I'm like, all right, cool. Guys, go to where the where his podcast is. Go download it. Go give it a rating. Go get Emmy reviews. Tell us how both of us can make this podcast better. And uh, yeah, download, subscribe. You know, just this is what we do for a living, guys. And go share it out. If we have any value behind it, share it and, and go see it. So um, go ahead, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate for being on your show. It's been a pleasure. And, you know, we need more people out there doing the same thing that we're doing. It's going to be a good year next year. And I hope it is fabulous to you. A lot of hard work and a lot of great times. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.